Ladies and gentlemen, we've got pictures. That's right. The Vanity Fair spread for Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker, is here. My name's Alden Diaz, and welcome to a new episode of Octo Radio, in which, frankly, the Force really willed this episode into being, because I had planned an episode. I had thought about what I was going to talk about today. Uh, full disclosure, I was going to go on a little bit about the uh, prequel anniversaries and, and how the prequel kids evolved and, and have risen to prominence and how it's changed the fandom, and we will get into that on a future episode. I absolutely promise, because that's a topic to me uh, that deserves a lot of love and highlighting. We could do some deep dives into the evolving aspect of that fandom, but I'm sitting at work, and uh, I take a second to look at the old interwebs, and what do I see? Kylo Ren on the cover of Vanity Fair, and quickly, right underneath him, Ray on the cover of Vanity Fair, and I knew that Annie Leibovitz was back, and that we were in good shape, because these Vanity Fair uh, special issues that they've done uh, for Force Awakens and Last Jedi are some of the most just gorgeously done uh, pieces of marketing for the uh, Disney-owned Star Wars and Lucasfilm era. Uh, it has been for the sequel trilogy, preserving a little bit of that specialness. Uh, they did not do them for Rogue One and Solo. Uh, perhaps maybe they'll do them for TV at some point, maybe for The Mandalorian, but as of right now, uh, it seems to be a films-only type thing, a Skywalker saga-only uh, occasion. And I, I like that aspect of it, honestly, to just focus it on the major films. These are the ones that most people see uh, in terms of the casual audience realm. These are the ones that most people associate Star Wars with. They see characters like 3PO and Chewbacca. Uh, now the returning Lando Calrissian, and we'll get to that because that might be my favorite photo of the bunch. Uh, and they know that this is the iconic story that's been going on for 40 plus years at this point. Now... Immediately diving in, there's so many new things uh, to take away from the pictures. Finally, some things that we could talk about that a lot of us that pay attention to some of the uh, you know rumor mill uh, material uh, that have encountered some things, such as you know perhaps a leaked marketing poster from a, a couple months ago. We would know that the Knights of Ren were returning to the film, but it's so nice to finally see the Knights of Ren in an image with J.J. Abrams on the desert planet, which we now know as uh, Pasana. I'm assuming that's uh, how you say it. Uh, didn't expect it to be a new desert planet, I have to say. It seems a little bit... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A little bit funny. Just a tad bit funny that you've got Tatooine, Jakku, Jeddah, and now a fourth one. I mean, uh, perhaps there's plot reasons. Maybe there's something that they wanted to do and come up with. Uh, maybe from the mystical force side of things where it wouldn't have made sense for the other planets or, you know, I, I highly doubt I'm seeing some speculation that maybe it might be a JJ Abrams, a red herring type thing where he's giving us information. That's not entirely true. It has happened before, uh, with his star Trek into darkness, does uh, con debacle, but I don't think that that's the case. We haven't had any outright naming lies, uh, within the sequel trilogy thus far. I don't think he would start now. It's just a little funny, you know. I, I I understand that he wants to mostly use real real world landscapes, uh, so they're, we're eventually going to run into some other ones. We've got a new uh, snow planet as well, where we see another new character, and we'll get into that. Uh, but on this planet, we see the Knights of Ren with J.J. Abrams, and they're just incredibly varied uh, weaponry. Their arsenal is very um, 
uh, different for Star Wars, very medieval, leaning a lot uh, further into that, which I, I, makes sense to me in terms of the character of Kylo Ren with his cross guard, uh, Claymore-esque lightsaber. We see uh, someone who almost has a buster sword, uh, Final Fantasy-looking type weapon. Uh, we see somebody that's got you know so, some huge uh, attachments on their arms. Uh, not sure if those would be blasters or more melee or both. A mace-looking thing, and they just they just look like heavy hitters. Like every single one of them would be a tank class, uh, you know, type character. If this was some sort of you know MMORPG, they look intense. They look like they're going to be right in the action. Uh, given the location of the Knights of Ren, along with the teaser trailer that debuted at Celebration, where we see the Tie Fighter, it looked like it was a little bit different than the Tie Silencer. So maybe the knights each have their own tie, and maybe that was a knight of Ren charging at Rey across the desert before she did that epic flip. Rey, uh, speaking of, looks fantastic in all of these photos. I believe it is still Michael Kaplan uh, who was doing the costume design for for Last Jedi on this one, and I just adore the white costume that Rey is wearing in this one. Uh, I know a lot, it's getting some flack from some corners of the fandom because people. You know, it is obviously a lot more similar to Ray's original Jakku look than, you know, her gray and black uh, look by the throne room sequence for The Last Jedi or even her resistance outfit. You know, they call it the resistance outfit and all the toys with the vest uh, and, and just the pants and everything. Like, I get that it's, you know, more cyclical, more of a return, and it might look like she hasn't progressed as much. I thought we were going to see her in full, full on Jedi looking garb, prequel style garb by the time of this film, but maybe that wasn't the right choice. You know, I have to wait to see where she's at as a character in this film before I start, you know, fully reading the implications and thematic undertones of the costume. What I could say right now, things I like about what we've seen of Rey on her cover, on her photo uh, with Daisy Ridley uh, and J.J. Abrams uh, coordinating a scene, or Daisy Ridley with uh, Jonas Suatomo, Suatomo, uh, I always mess up the last name. Huge apologies to Jonas, who seems like the greatest dude. Uh, them preparing a scene. We see Daisy's hair. And the hair stuff in Star Wars, I've always really loved and appreciated. Obviously, hair and the changing of a hairstyle is uh, significant of lots of things, you know, in samurai films, samurai stories. Uh, and in Star Wars previously, we had, you know, Dave Filoni talk about the significance of Kanan's hairstyle changes across the seasons of Star Wars Rebels. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody that hasn't gotten into Rebels because I will always champion people starting Rebels from the beginning, getting into it for the first time. A nice uh, tight four seasons. It's not, nothing ridiculous for you to get into. But there, there are those themes naturally built into the visual cues and the visual changes. And for Rey to have the same hairstyle from childhood that she would then carry into being 19 years old in The Force Awakens, you know, it's significant of the fact that she resists uh, that things might be different, that she resists uh, any personal callings, that she resists the fact that, as Maz tells her, her belonging is ahead and that whoever it was is not coming back. So by the time we get over into The Last Jedi and she's on Octo uh, and she's interacting with Luke and she's interacting more with Kylo Ren, uh, via their force connection. We see her let the hair down. And that obviously was a big change. It's it's different for her now. She comes out of the water. 
and that's when her hair changes, uh, you know, from the, the dark side cave uh, in the dark recesses of the first Jedi Temple island. A little bit uh, interesting to me that the, the first Jedi Temple is on the same uh, location as a dark side nexus on that world. I think that that's something that definitely could be fleshed out more in canon. Not that it needs to be, but it's just something that I think is really interesting. But now we see Rey clad in all white, Gandalf style. And she has a hood on her costume, which I hope uh, she wears for some of the scenes because that would just look incredibly badass. I mean, the Jedi Jedi and hoods uh, go together uh, like some of our greatest uh, iconic character and attire selections. It's like Fonzie in his jacket, you know, like that, that, that just makes sense. Uh, so I would definitely like to see that. But when you look at her hair, it's back into the three-sectioned uh, buns that she had it in, but it's slightly different. It doesn't look, uh, you know, as bouncy or or as uh, loose-ish as her childhood one. It looks more refined, uh, tighter, more uh, just almost adult, for lack of a better word, more grown. And she's put it back almost like reclaiming where she came from, returning to a sand planet, reclaiming where she came from. It feels like, you know, while Kylo has the mentality of, uh, you know, kill the past if you have to, Ray is saying, you know, I am who I am because of where I've come from. And again, these are just things that I'm picking up on from the costume. But, you know, the differences between her and Kylo are being highlighted as well as the differences between her uh, and the Skywalker uh, father-son duo of Anakin and Luke who gravitated toward the darker colors you know, we might have already seen Rey dip as far into the darker palette as she is prepared to do or as she is uh, inclined to do throughout this trilogy by, with the gray and black outfit, the throne room, confronting her past, the tears, but, you know, also the resolve. That might have been it. This might be the most paragon of good Jedi Knight that we've seen since probably Obi-Wan Kenobi. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens there. But in some other photos... Uh, thank you for listening to the Ray Fashion Hour here on Octo Radio. <laughs> I could go on and on about that. And at some point, I will probably have to do an entire fashion of Star Wars episode, which I think would be really cool. Uh, I would like to find somebody who's uh, an expertise in that field that knows the costume design. Uh, we could probably end up doing two hours just on Padme Amidala, which would be an awesome thing to do. But moving on into some of these other photos, you've got Finn... And new character, Jana, played by Naomi Aki, who was just a delight at Star Wars Celebration. So much charisma, uh, the humor, the energy moving into this iconic franchise and this soon-to-be iconic character. Because that's just the way of things with Star Wars, you know? You will be someone's favorite character before the Lucasfilm logo even hits on opening night. Once those toys are out, a Funko Pop, a Hot Toys figure, available for pre-order, you know, whatever it is, a poster... Black Series figures can't wait for some of those. You will win hearts and minds. And and just and with this photo, riding those new majestic beasts, new space horses are in town. Sorry, Fathiers. You had a good run. You had a, a fun chase scene. I know it was a little bit, uh, you know, it's kind of split the fandom on whether or not people thought that it needed to be in the film. I would argue there's lots of stuff that doesn't need to be in Star Wars films, but it's fine. It's fine. We're fine here. Uh, slight weapons malfunction. We're all good. Uh, but these space horses look almost like horse, warthog, 
kind of anteatery beasts, and I, I really like the look of them. Uh, if they're, I haven't read every section of the article. I know they put out a, a photos one, a Knights of Ren one, the, the entire spread. I'm not sure if those creatures were given a specific name. If they were, let me know. If not, I'm sure once I'm done recording this, I'll just look it up myself because I want to know those things because I'm already a big fan. The actual uh, scene looks to be uh, action heavy. I mean, we don't see anyone else that's in it, any enemies, but you've got Jana leaning off of her uh, pig horse beast uh, about to shoot her bow and arrow. Glad to see those things returning. Uh, it's not exactly the same as the one that Chirrut Imwe has in Rogue One, a Star Wars story. That one looked a little bit bigger and, you know, doubled as sort of like the staff weapon. This looks like, you know, we might see some true uh, Legolas, uh, Theon Greyjoy uh, type archery within this film, which I think could be really cool. Other images that we see, you've got the one that I was, you know, really, really excited for that I alluded to earlier. You've got Lando Calrissian, Poe Dameron, specifically Scarf Poe Dameron. Scarf, sash with pouches, leather gloves, Indiana Dameron, and Lando, and Chewie, BB-8, and Dio, the new little uh, conehead roller droid, all on the Millennium Falcon. Is this going to be our Falcon piloting team? We see Chewie in there. Uh, in the teaser trailer, flying alongside Lando. Is it possible that perhaps Poe is flying it and he gets injured and then it, it forces, you know, the original owner to step back into the ship, you know, look at the computer, say, hey, old girl, the thing that all fans want, hey, L3, you know, something like that to reference Solo, a Star Wars story, which I think they might do because the choice of the yellow and black outfit definitely seems... Uh, like it is there to say to the more casual fan, hey, remember that movie that not a lot of you saw in theaters, but then you saw it on Netflix and you were like, wow, this is really good. Should have saw it in theaters. Yeah, this is that same guy. This is that same guy. And I think that that's really exciting. Looks like he has a similar blaster as well. Is Lando going to be getting his hands dirty? I hope so. I really do. Uh, Lando, over the course of new canon, has become... Uh, increasingly uh, more appealing to me. I've become more and more of a Lando fan. Where as a kid, uh, he was just kind of there. He was kind of just uh, uh, a Han with a cape. Like I was always kind of like, oh, you're you're cool. Not as cool as Han and Chewie, but you're cool. But there's been so many great, powerful efforts uh, to flush out his personality, flush out his adventures, give him his own methodology and supporting cast members uh, like L3, giving Lobot a backstory that... By the time he appears here in this film alongside our new characters, I'm going to feel like, yeah, that's one of my guys. And I'm really excited for that. Uh, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, you've got three guys there, but only two seats. Does Chewie jump on the gun? And then we've got this epic old meets new, uh, old school, new school, two of the coolest guys, arguably the two coolest guys in the galaxy, both together, co-piloting the most legendary ship and all of pop culture, I think that'd be pretty awesome. And I think that that might be where we're headed. I have no proof. I can only tell you what I feel in my uh, in my gut, in the Force, in the Metachlorians. I was going to say Metachlorians. I didn't want to throw it out there, but you know what? F it. In my Metachlorians. We're embracing it all. It's a tapestry on this show. Effective immediately. Well, actually effective at the beginning in the first episode, but... You know, every comic is someone's first comic. 
every episode of someone's first episode. So welcome again. Moving on, you've got uh, Kylo Ren versus Rey in the rain, which, you know, plus 10 anime points just for that. It looks incredible. Uh, possibly on top of the Millennium Falcon. It looks like a wide uh, ship. At first, I thought it was just some kind of surface, you know, some sort of base or building, you know, not unlike uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi going to Kamino, uh, you know, to meet uh, the Prime Minister before getting into it with Jango Fett in a great scene from Attack of the Clones. But now oh, it, it looks like it might be in the air. You know, Ray looks like she's trying to keep her footing. They're not exactly close together. Like they're 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 sizing each other up. Like it maybe they're doing slow, very calculated attacks. Like this could be a very samurai esque fight, but in the air. I think that that would be amazing. I think that that would be something really special. Uh, it's interesting moving into this leg of the franchise, uh, this last adventure for the nine part Skywalker saga. Because you don't want to try to top something like Mustafar uh, in terms of choreography. You don't want to do the flippy flips and the acrobatics. Uh, not because they're bad, because some of those fights are incredible from the prequel trilogy. But because you've already established this happy medium with heavier strikes and and more of an original trilogy feel to the fights. But when, you know, with some uniqueness like Kylo doing his spins and his interesting stance taking on the Praetorian Guard and Last Jedi. Rey has an aggressive, uh, you know, very fitting of her scavenger background uh, style to her fighting. You want to stay true to what you already established in 7 and 8, but who knows? Maybe because of their training, maybe because of time jump, you can dip a little bit more into the super heroics of, of Jedi and, you know, not not particularly Sith. In this case, you know, I guess Knights of Ren. I don't know what religion they subscribe to. I would like to know. Uh, I think we might actually find out in this one uh, just because, you know, with Palpatine returning, uh, of course, omitted from this entire Vanity Fair spread. They're not going to go into that, I don't think, until the day it comes out. I don't think we see any Palpatine until we're in theaters. You know, that was just your... You're lucky for getting this from Mr. Abrams, all right? You're lucky. He... He let you sniff the mystery box, all right? That's all you get. You get to look at it. You get to put your pinky on it. That's it. You know, that's all you're getting from Palpatine. But with that, I think there's going to be some heavy mysticism in this film. I think we're going to see some really weird stuff. And who knows how you end up fighting on the top of a moving ship in the rain. Appropriately epic, you know, with the dark and the, the lightsabers illuminating, presumably steam coming off of each blade. Oh, God, that, that could be badass. That's the type of stuff we're just thinking about it. Uh, just sends nerd chills down my spine. That's the type of Star Wars uh, that I love. You know, if you could give me a scene uh, that feels like it could stand shoulder to shoulder with my favorite duel, which is uh, Anakin, uh, not Anakin, uh, Luke versus, well, yeah, Anakin, <laughs> Luke versus Vader on Death Star 2 in, in the throne room. That that would be incredible. I would love to see John Williams uh, connect that operatic uh, score, that part of the score from Return of the Jedi, and bring it back for this one. You know, we've seen some themes carry throughout all nine films. We've seen hints of some Williams themes, even in the films that he did not score. You know, if you go over to Solo, A Star Wars Story, 
you've got a little bit of the Duel of the Fates track from The Phantom Menace. Happy birthday, Phantom Menace. You can hear that when uh, Darth Maul pops up on screen. You get a little bit of the ba 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 ba, and it's oof, it's awesome. Uh, so maybe we'll see some returning themes there. But speaking of John Williams, we see our general, Carrie Fisher, in one of these photos. On a screen within the photo, uh, as John Williams uh, scores the film, as he, I, I believe he said that he has scored. 25 minutes of it, 25 minutes of the movie, or he's written 25 minutes of music, something to that effect in a, in a recent interview where he said that he's really enjoyed what he's seen in the movie so far, that he likes it a lot. Uh, obviously, he's been very protective of the character Ray and didn't want anybody else uh, building on what he had established for her in Force Awakens. And you know what, John? You take whatever you want because the Ray theme is incredible. It is still my ringtone. It's been my ringtone now for going on four years. And it's just phenomenal stuff but equally phenomenal has always been the music surrounding leia organa princess leia general leia uh you know mrs solo uh mrs ben's mom luke's luke's equal probably the more qualified of the two twins in fact i would say definitely so uh the the paragon of the new republic uh one of the greatest heroes in the history of pop culture her theme in this film will make me weep. And I think that her scene probably will as well, uh, to get really, really nerdy and in depth, uh, about it. You know, for those of you who are listening to this podcast, you probably know, uh, if, if you saw this and thought, ah, a show named after a planet that appeared in the eighth star Wars installment of the last Jedi Octo, the original home of the Jedi Knights. I'm assuming that you probably follow a lot of the behind-the-scenes information as well. But if you don't, the Leia footage that is going to be used in this film is uh, comprised of, I believe, mostly uh, Force Awakens uh, deleted scenes. I, I believe I've read from a couple sources that there will also be a little bit used from Last Jedi. I don't know how true that is. But when you look at the picture here in Vanity Fair of Leia, um, it definitely looks like it's taken from the scene where she says goodbye to Ray at the end of Force Awakens. The shot is pretty much the same thing with her looking. It's a close-up on her and is, you know, goodbye, Ray, and may the Force be with you. Maybe it's uh, extra dialogue from that. Maybe it's an alternate take from that. But, you know, with that said, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's still going to be beautiful. It's still going to be uh, an incredible inclusion. And whoever is in charge of digitally altering her outfits or, or combining that performance with doubles or whatever it is they're doing because she has a different look. She has a unique look that looks like a middle between what JJ brought to the table with General Leia and then with the more regal Alderanian uh, royal feel that Johnson uh, included in The Last Jedi. It just, it's an incredible, incredible feat in an entirely new environment. You are editing in an existing performance, but using it in the exact way uh, that you need it to be used, writing scenes around it, that to me is going to be one of the most interesting things to talk about and to absorb in the movie. I'm hoping that it's not so jarring that it takes us out, uh, but who knows? You just got to give it its its chance and got to accept it for the story. And as hard as it is for you know two and a half hours, we just need to accept that while forever intertwined in our hearts and minds that 
Carrie's story uh, came to a close, you know, but Leia's story uh, still has a chapter to go. And we need to take that for what it is. Uh, real world knowledge aside, sometimes it's hard to set aside that real world knowledge and, and accept that we choose to know all this extra stuff and that a lot of people will see this and just say, they might have that moment of, but I, I thought she, she passed away. And, you know, they'll put it together and they'll probably just assume that it was made at the same time. Uh, you know, these movies are being made for all of us. And hopefully these Leia scenes uh, hit us in a way that is for all of us. Now, of course, there's uh, some other stuff all throughout the, the, the spread. I'm not going to talk about every single photo, uh, but I do want to get a little bit into uh, a couple main characters or, or new characters. I don't know how much screen time they're going to have. I already talked about Jana, who just looks amazing. And again, I love the fact that there's an archer in there. I love uh, these Beast Rider characters throughout all of pop culture. Uh, I'm assuming that she'll have something to do with Finn. I highly doubt it'll be romantic. If there is a romance in this film, I think it'll be with Rose, just because it was already set up in Last Jedi. Whether you liked that or not, it was. Uh, but she looks like a resistance ally of some kind. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, but when you move over into the First Order side of things, you've got one of the inclusions that I was most excited about when the cast for this film uh, was being put together and formally announced, and that is Richard E. Grant, Academy Award nominee Richard E. Grant. Go watch Can You Ever Forgive Me because he was fantastic in it. Uh, but he's going to be playing uh, Allegiant General Allegiant General Pride. I was going to say General uh, Price, but that would have been Governor Price uh, from Star Wars Rebels and the Thrawn novels by Timothy Zahn. Different character, but appropriately evil name. Star Wars has never shied away from the fact that sometimes you just got to give somebody an arrogant, violent, or just uh, evil name. You got Maul, you got Savage, uh, now you have Pride. And he just looks super menacing. He sits while Hux stands. He's got a confident uh, look about him. Uh, uh, just probably going to be uh, a superior, I would imagine. Perhaps he worked closer with Snoke. And he wants to know what's what. And he's coming to cause a rift between Kylo and his knights and Hux and the army of the First Order. I don't know. But extremely interesting. I loved the uh, costume choices there. He has a different uh, uniform than a lot of the First Order officers have. Which lets you know, usually, that he's at least going to get one cool sequence. Shout out to General Veers, the original person to personalize their uniform in the, the Empire. Hopefully, this will be that type of character. And uh, hopefully, he gets more screen time than uh, Kennedy in Last Jedi, who, while great, ended up being a throwaway character, uh, who a lot of us loved. But I want to see a, a really fleshed-out villain, uh, someone with more of a calculated nature to counter the uh, you know, the rabid cur qualities, as, as Snoke pointed out, of General Armitage Hux. And then moving over uh, to another new planet, you've got uh, the in the Thieves' Quarter area, you've got uh, Zori Bliss, who will be played by Carrie uh, Russell, incredible actress, a star of the Americans, a uh, friend of J.J. Abrams, who we knew uh, was going to be collaborating uh, with her longtime friend on this film. What a badass costume. Again, like I just got to give it up to them for this one. The purple and gold and the helmet that extends all the way back. Uh, the weapons and just the, all the accessories and the small details. I cannot wait to find out more about this character. 
I hope that they're, uh, you know, not Boba Fett in their way where they uh, show up and get ousted uh, very quickly and easily, but perhaps more of a a character similar to Lando, similar to what they had going with DJ and Last Jedi. I don't think DJ will be back in this one unless there's maybe a cameo, uh, but the type of character that you're forced to work with. I think there's going to be a lot of we're forced to work with these people in the rise of Skywalker. I think there's going to be a lot of uneasy alliances. I know in a previous episode, I, I said that I wanted to get Rada the Hutt in there. Hell yeah. Give me Rada the Hutt. Give me new characters like Zori and her incredible armor, uh, which by the way, I just know is going to be a cosplay favorite. And if you're already working on it, you're awesome. Seriously, you guys are the best. When we, you know, we hadn't even had, we hadn't even had a teaser trailer for the rise of Skywalker at Star Wars Celebration Chicago. And I was already seeing the all-white Ray outfit. You guys can work off of anything. And you've got way more talent than me sitting here uh, in a Star Wars t-shirt speaking into a mic. You know, but, but someone out there is already like, how can I 3D print the Zori Bliss helmet from the Rise of Skywalker? Good for you, honestly. I cannot wait to see it. You're a badass, whoever you are. Who, whatever tens of you that are listening that are like, yeah, yeah, that's going to be me. That's going to be the character I'm going to do. For me personally... I'm thinking it might be Scarf Poe, man. Scarf Poe. That's where it's at. That's the Hot Toys figure that I want. Let's let's get that done. Give me that black series with the nice uh, digitally scanned face so I can add it to my collection uh, inevitably and look up at the shelf and go, yeah, that's an awesome costume. But anyway, I'm going to start uh, wrapping up here. Uh, overall, just what an incredible spread. Uh, what an incredible uh, first look at this film, aside from the teaser trailer. Uh, lots of insights. You've got, you know, insights from Adam Driver about the connection between uh, the maybe bond, I believe, as he called it, between Kylo Ren and Rey. What are we looking at here? Are we looking at more unexpected uh, uh, visions of each other? Are we looking at, you know, some almost Harry Potter-esque oculomancy, legilimency uh, duels, um, you know, some more scenes like Force Awakens, mental battles, more communication. How much communication is Ray even going to want to do after uh, metaphorically and literally shutting the door on him at the end of Episode Eight, The Last Jedi? It'll be very interesting to see what happens there. And then you've got, uh, you know, a lot of the captions are very telling. I mean, you know, you're a geek when you're looking at the captions. Like, what insights can I gather from Vanity Fair's photo captions? You've got some, you know, right under the Knights of Ren. Uh, you know, they are there to enforce Kylo's will. But also in the story, they kind of confirm, unless it's a red herring, you know, in, in the actual Vanity Fair piece, that Kylo Ren is fighting the Knights of Ren in the teaser trailer. Could perhaps a mistake, perhaps, uh, you know, a misquote. These things happen from time to time or information that the... Uh, the piece has that might have been uh, a little bit mixed up in the shuffle from uh, set report to print, perhaps. But does this confirm that there's going to be splintering within the First Order? The Knights versus the First Order? You know, the Knights versus Kylo? Do they oust him because of the light spark that is within him? Because of his father and his legacy and the, the turmoil that he's felt? Is this, Does this confirm redemption? I don't know. I really don't know. Do I want redemption? Flat out? Personally? Not really. I think that Kylo Ren should go out on his sword for what he's done. I think that he's had two opportunities for change and he's rejected them both. You know, his, his character arc has started to veer left every single time, but it always goes right. I think he should go out 
uh, an enemy, you know? Not everything uh, has to be redemptive, but at the same time, Star Wars is kind of about that, right? And ultimately, it's going to come down to execution, and I'm perfectly fine with it if they decide to do it. I have utter faith in J.J. I like The Force Awakens. I like, uh, I really like The Last Jedi. I like the directions it took us in, but here we are in a blank slate. My personal theory, if I might get uh, really geeky before uh, closing up this episode, I think, and I've said this to a few people, and people seem to be into the theory, uh, not to pat myself on the back, it's just, it's just, this is exciting to talk about. We've got Palpatine back in this film. We've got, you know, the reforging of the helmet. It looks like it's going to be very mystical. You know, a, th a thousand generations live in you. The, 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 the leap, the powers, uh, it, it, you know, looks very, uh, centered on perhaps lingering energies, lingering, uh, you know, sins of the father is, is a theme that JJ Abrams keeps bringing up, uh, in his talks about the film. Is it possible that Kylo and the Knights of Ren try to resurrect Palpatine, you know, to a certain dominance, to, to gain an ally, to gain abilities, and the Knights decide, hey, we're going to work for him? Or does he turn the Knights on them? Is there some sort of uh, connection to Snoke? I don't know. It just seems like this film, first of all, just based on all this, can it be three hours? I think we've proven that the people that care about three-hour movies and the characters in said three-hour movie, they're going to go. I think uh, a certain other uh, independent film about some superheroes uh, might have proven that already this year. I don't know which way it's going to go, but after all these pictures, I got to say, uh, I'm damn excited. And after seeing these insights and, and seeing J.J. masterfully, like a Jedi master, straight from the temple on Coruscant, dance around, giving any actual details... Aside from some names here and there, some planets, he's a pro, guys. He's a pro. Uh, but he's he's. I'm thrilled, absolutely thrilled, and it's been beautiful all day uh, to see the reactions of the fans, to see how excited everybody is. Everybody latching onto their favorite image, their favorite aspect of what they saw, their favorite shot, uh, their favorite quotes, uh, theorizing, connecting. This is the positivity that fandom needs. This is the type of stuff that we need to keep the fandom going forward. These are the types of things that we need to bring into new projects, whether it's The Mandalorian, Cassian Andor, uh, Resistance, uh, Clone Wars, the new season, the Benioff and Weiss films, the Johnson films, whatever comes after. So we're all in our you know, rocking chairs talking about, man, you remember the 10-year drought between 2005 and 2015? Yeah, I do. I don't want to go back there. Not that I think we will, but... This is such a good time, and sometimes all it takes is a magazine uh, popping up on all of our phones in the morning at work, drinking a cup of coffee, and you just sit back and go, wow, I can't wait. You just feel like a kid. You know, you just say, wow, and then you immediately blow up your friend's phone with screenshots and thoughts and texts and theories, and that's what it's all about, guys. So that's going to do it for me on this episode of Octo Radio. I thank you so much for joining me. I want to hear about all your thoughts. What do you think of these photos? What do you think about what they could mean for the title The Rise of Skywalker? I didn't even get into Luke. The reason why I didn't get into Luke is because I don't think that photo is done. I think it still needs to be force ghosted up. But let's talk about that one too. Tell me how you feel about Lando. How is he going to play into the story? Is he going to make it out of the story? I certainly hope so, but we just don't know. But in the meantime, you can follow me personally on Twitter at AD underscore Strider. Again, my name is Alden Diaz. But you can follow the show at Octo Radio. That's on Twitter and on Instagram. You can follow the show, actually, on Octo Radio on Facebook as well. 
That's always fun. I'm trying to be active on all the platforms. You could always send me a message. You could always leave a comment, check out the photos, check out the episodes, and share them. If you're listening over on Apple Podcasts, if you're an iTunes person and you're on Apple Podcasts and you want to check out the show there, it would be awesome if you could leave a positive rating there, leave a comment, let people know about the show. It's also available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and of course, on the core home, Anchor anchor.fm slash octo radio you tell your friends about that and pass it along so we can create a better fandom together so i can do my small part so i can connect with you guys uh i'm in the process of booking some guests that i think you're really gonna love uh one of which uh is uh one of the paragons of the star wars community in a big bad way uh the star wars uh analysis realm really excited about that there's gonna be a lot of good stuff coming up in the future as well as commentaries, which we're going to be starting with a New Hope commentary, and we're going to be getting into that on the anniversary of the film. Look forward to that. It's been an awesome episode. Been great hanging with you. And as always, punch it, Chewie.